Well, there I was, one of the last guys to make it into the room for foot washing that day at the particular church I was attending up in Northern California when I was a graduate student. Um, they had separated the men to wash feet in one room and the women to wash feet in the other room. And so Beamy and I were, were separated and I was looking throughout the room because I was uh, one of the last ones in there. I had to go do something real quick before getting in there. And uh, everybody else had a partner, it seemed like, except me. So I scanned the room to find another straggler. And I saw off in the distance this young kid, maybe 17, 18 years old and with bushy brown hair all alone. I remembered I saw him up uh, this was one of those old churches where the fellowship hall and all the classrooms are downstairs. So I remember seeing him upstairs in the sanctuary when we were doing the greeting time. And I remember shaking his hand and thought, you know, this is, this guy was a visitor. I remember this is his first time at our church. And so I thought I should take the initiative and go over and invite him to wash feet with me. So I went over to him and stood next to him and was like, Hey man, want to wash feet? And he's like, yeah, that'd be cool. So then we had this awkward conversation for about a minute or so where we tried to decide who was going to go first. Well, you want to wash my feet first or you want me to wash your feet first? Um, it doesn't matter to me. Oh, it doesn't matter to me either, man. Uh, I, I can wash your feet first or you can wash my feet first. Uh, yeah, I'm fine with, with either. You know, I mean, if you wanted to go first, that'd be cool if, if you want me. You know, and we went back and forth like this for a while. And finally, he's like, all right, I'll just I'll wash your feet first. OK, sounds good. So he went to go get the, the basin and the water and, and the towel, and, and uh, I went over to sit down and get my shoes and socks off. And as I was doing that, I was trying to think about something to say, to talk about while we were doing this together. I didn't want there to be this awkward silence. I couldn't think of anything. And then finally, I remembered as we were walking down into the fellowship hall area and where the classrooms were, I, I do remember glancing back as a big crowd of us were going down together and seeing him out of the corner of my eye and he was walking with this girl and holding her hand and I thought, that must be his girlfriend. I'll ask him about her and, and how long they've been going out and, and stuff like that. And so as soon as he gets there and my feet are ready and, and I plop my right foot in and he starts to wash, I say, so I saw you walking down the stairs with that girl, must be your girlfriend. How long you guys been going out? And he looks up at me with this confused look on his face. He says, dude, that was my mom. <laughs> I was helping her walk down the stairs. So much for no awkward silence because I didn't know what to say after that, neither did he, and he just put his head down and started to wash. And now when most people wash someone's foot at communion, especially if it's not a family member or a close friend, you know, if you just get in there with the guys or the ladies and, and you pair up and maybe you don't even know each other that well or you're strangers like we were. Most of the time you just kind of splash the water around, you know, be kind of gentle and not too personal with it, you know. But this kid was really washing my feet. I mean, he was getting his fingers in between toes kind of a thing. And I have very, very ticklish feet. Um, my wife can tell you, she loves foot massages. If somebody tries to massage my feet, I, I can't take it. It's, it's so uncomfortable. 
So there was this awkward silence and I was fighting with every fiber of my being not to giggle because it was really tickling. And finally, I couldn't take it anymore and I just burst out with this laughter like, it's so ticklish, you know. You should have seen the look on his face again. It was so clear that both him and I wanted this to be done as quickly as possible. And he really did pick up the pace after that. Well, he finished shortly thereafter. He made his way over to dispose of the water. I got up, even with bare feet, I was like, I'm just gonna go get water and we're gonna get through this quickly. Went over uh, to get uh, new fresh water, fresh towel. I come back and he's gone. I look around the room, he's not there. I go out into the hallway, he's not there. I go over to where the women are at, thought maybe he's over there with his mom and uh, he wasn't there. I went in the men's bathroom, he wasn't there. Went upstairs in the sanctuary. I never saw that kid again in my life. I think he may have hid in his car. Maybe he was just so uncomfortable. And I was too. That is by far the most uncomfortable communion foot washing experience I've ever had. But I gotta be honest with you, growing up in the church, every time communion Sabbath was, was coming up and we were going to church, I'd have this little uneasy feeling in my stomach because it was always a little awkward. It was, don't get me wrong, very meaningful, very special, very reverent. I really did uh, have a lot of uh, impactful and, and, and meaningful memories of foot washing growing up. But it was also, at the same time, kind of uncomfortable. And as I read through the time when Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, I get a sense that it was kind of an uncomfortable experience for them as well. Would you open with me to John chapter 13, starting in verse 2. John 13, starting in verse 2. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God, and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet, Jesus answered. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Let's pause there for a moment. Doesn't it sound like it's a little bit of a, an uncomfortable experience, at least for Peter? Maybe it was also that way for the other disciples. We don't get any record of them saying anything. I, I like to imagine that there was this awkward silence in the room as the disciples are sitting there shocked that Jesus is doing this task. But of course you know that when he gets to one particular disciple, there would no longer be any silence. When he gets to Peter, Peter's like, no way, Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet. Never. As many of you know, foot washing was commonplace in the Greco-Roman society and first century Jewish culture, and it appears as a ritual for, for daily cleansing, as a religious act, sometimes washing hands, washing feet in hot water or warm water before Sabbath, 
or as a token of hospitality as you entered into someone's home. And this job was reserved for slaves. And it was considered one of the lowest, most degrading tasks that a slave could perform. In fact, according to some Jewish sources, it was such a degrading task that Jewish slaves were exempt from having to do it for their masters and could pass the task off to those who were Gentiles. And Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, has stooped down to wash the feet of his disciples. Talk about uncomfortable. Let's read on in the text. Then the Lord, sorry, then Lord, Simon, people, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Isn't that such a Peter response? Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said, not everyone is clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. Do you understand what I have done for you? Jesus asks. When you and I gather to partake of the Lord's Supper today, and we do the uncomfortable task of washing each other's feet, I think we are also meant to ponder Jesus' question. Do you realize what I've done for you? I know that I was always taught growing up that this is an ordinance of humility. It teaches us how to have a humble spirit like Christ, how to humbly serve each other like Christ, which was so beautifully illustrated in the children's story today. Thank you for that, Danielle. It's awesome. Absolutely, that's what it teaches us to be humble, to serve each other. And that is certainly an important principle. But I also think that it teaches us so much more, which was also touched on in the children's story. Review with me some of these details from the text so we can better answer Jesus' description, or sorry, his question, do you understand what I have done for you? Remember, it started out, before Jesus gets up from the table, it says that he knew he had come from God and was returning for God. In fact, in verse 1, it says he knew that his hour had come. And then he proceeds to do the following. He leaves his place at the table, takes off his outer clothing, puts on the clothing of a servant, stoops down to cleanse their feet. Then he puts his clothes back on, and he takes his place again at the table. You see what he's doing? He is illustrating how he left his throne in heaven, took on the likeness of humanity so that he could come to this lowly earth and humble himself even to death on a cross so that the stain of sin could be washed away. And then he would rise again and take his place in heaven. This isn't just an act of humility, although the disciples needed to learn about humility in that moment, absolutely, and we do too. But I think it's also a parable that Jesus is acting out to illustrate the whole plan of salvation. I think that's why Jesus says to Peter, unless I wash you, you have no part 
of me. Because he's illustrating here the only thing that truly has any power to cleanse our lives, his life for us. You don't get it now, Peter, but Jesus says, you will understand eventually. We wash each other's feet today, not just to help us be humble, but because it is another powerful symbol, maybe the most powerful one we have, along with the bread and the drink that reminds us of the difficult journey Jesus made to the cross for us. And if that's what foot washing represents, then maybe it's okay if it's a little uncomfortable because it really helps us to understand just how uncomfortable it was for Jesus to journey to the cross for us. Maybe it gives us a tiny perspective to that. You know, as a longtime Christian, sometimes I wonder if I have let the cross become comfortable. I don't know if it's because I've preached about it so much or because I've heard about it so much or because I live a relatively comfortable life. But the cross was anything but comfortable. After he took that journey to Calvary, which was hard enough, we don't have time to just review those details. But after he arrived at Calvary and they nailed him to the cross, it would have sent a shot of burning, hot pain, not just in the area that was pierced, but, but most likely up his arms and throughout his body as well because they, they believe that most likely they pierced him right in that spot in the wrist where your ulnar and median nerve are. And you can imagine as the cross is then lifted up and put in place, as his body weight was now bearing down on him and, and all that weight in his wrist, that would have been painful enough. But as people stood there in that posture on the cross and they begin to sag, the weight would have bared down also on their diaphragm, making it almost impossible to breathe. Most victims died on the cross from suffocation because of that posture. The Romans, they did everything they could to elongate that suffering. So what they would do is they would also nail your feet to the cross so that every once in a while you could push up off of your feet that were together and get a breath and then hunch back down. Nothing about the cross was comfortable. And amazingly, it wasn't even the physical pain that was the most difficult thing for Jesus to experience that day. Because at that moment, all the sins of the world, all of your sins, all of my sins were bearing down on the soul of Jesus as he became the sin bearer for all of us. And in that moment, he begins to experience something he has never experienced in his life, this kind of separation between him and his father who have been unified for all eternity together. Nothing about the cross was comfortable. And every time we kneel down and do the uncomfortable act of washing each other's feet, we get a small taste of the lengths that Jesus was willing to go to to save us. Years ago, Bill Hybel shared a, a moment where he saw this newscast uh, on the, the television of this big Vietnam veterans parade in Chicago. Part of the commemoration was a mobile version of the Vietnam Wall. Like the original, Heibel said, 
uh, the, the newscaster highlighted how all the names of the soldiers were also listed on this mobile version of the wall that had died in the war. And then Heibel says that one newscaster found a vet who was standing close by and decided to interview them and ask them why they had come all the way to Chicago. They were from far away. Why they had come all the way to Chicago to visit the memorial and participate in the parade. The soldier looked straight into the face of the reporter and with tears flowing down his face said, because of this man right here, and he pointed to a name on the wall. And as he talked, he began to trace the name that was etched there. And as he traced his friend's name, the soldier continued to answer the reporter. He says, I'm here because this man right here gave his life for me. Gave his life for me. And as the news clip ends, the soldier just lets the tears keep flowing as he stands there and continues in silence to trace the name. One of the best memorials we have to help us trace how Jesus went to the cross for us is when we wash feet together, especially because of the way it's a little bit uncomfortable. So I want to invite you, family, to participate in this important memorial today. We're going to take a pause right now to do that together. And listen, I realize that some of you may still choose to stay in here while we do that. I know there's many reasons as to why people aren't able to go participate. But if you are able to participate today, I would encourage you to come do the foot washing and experience this powerful memorial that Jesus gave us. Once again, I just want to uh, instruct you where to go. If you're a family that wants to wash feet together, a couple that wants to wash feet together, that's in the fellowship hall. All the women will be in the new green room, which is uh, on the other side of the kitchen of the fellowship hall, and all the men will be in the new junior room. I also would like to tell you that when we come back from foot washing, please remember this, when you come back from foot washing, we are going to try to have you take your emblems. There'll be some, uh, some deacons here in the garden chapel, and there'll be some deacons in the foyer. Pick up your emblems and bring them to your seat on your way back. If you need some help bringing your emblems to your seat, there will be some deacons that can help you do that. But that's how we're going to try to do it today. So after the foot washing, please remember to come back in and pick up your emblems in the foyer or the garden chapel on the way back in. Once again, we invite you to join us for the foot washing service. Well, it's been a blessed time washing feet together, and now we get to partake of the emblems together. And I do want to ask, just before we begin, in case there's anybody that does not have the juice or the bread, is there, does everybody have the emblems? Okay, I think we're good. This time I want to ask Kathy if you would offer the blessing for the bread. Our Father, the bread in our hands represents your body. And it was broken. Sometimes it's hard for us to wrap our minds around that and what that means because we weren't there. I pray that as we partake today that we will remember that you did it for each one of us because you love us 
Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. you offer the blessing for the Jews. God of mercy and grace, bless this cup from which we are about to drink. Fill our hearts with gratitude for what it represents. As we drink and remember that your blood was poured out for our sins, may we submit our lives entirely to you. Transform our hearts and minds to be more like Jesus. And may we share the good news of what he's done for us until that glorious day when we will have this meal, this drink with him face to face. Amen. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. so humbling and amazing to know that above all that you thought of us I went to the cross Lord we thank you for the gift that is your life for how you were willing to journey here and do that for us may we never take for granted all that you did and Lord, we do look forward to next week as we also celebrate that you rose from the grave and that sin and death were defeated. I pray, Lord, that each and every one of us will have a moment with you like Peter did as you washed his feet, where we come to realize the need to accept your sacrifice for us that we realize what you have done for us and we fully embrace it in our life and we turn to you. That is our prayer in Jesus' name, amen.